This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Mark Norman. Mark is the VP of Real Estate of Self-Esteem Brands. He has been in the industry for over 17 years. I think he brings a lot to a lot of insights for everyone today, and I can't wait for him to get going here. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, Chris. Very warm welcome. I appreciate it. That's that's a, a more good stuff said about me than I've had in a while. <laughs> so, Mark, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and self-esteem brands. Yeah. So obviously it's been a crazy year, but, uh, self-esteem brands and then where I'm at and where I'm excited to be and, and we're, we're still growing, believe it or not, hundred plus leases will sign this year, even in a COVID year, uh, self-esteem brands owns and franchises four brands, anytime fitness, which I'm sure many of you already know about, uh, that's our biggest brand, nearly 5,000 global locations. So U S and Canada, but then we're in a multitude of other countries. Uh, we have waxing the city which is a, a waxing studio, about 125 in the US. Uh, we acquired that back in 2012, originally Denver-based. And then we acquired Basecamp Fitness, which is one of our newer concepts, high-intensity interval training, 35-minute addictive class, intense class. I'm actually wearing the Basecamp logoed hat, uh, which I'll talk about in a bit. And then uh, we also acquired the Bar Method in 2019, which is... Uh, 100 plus strong in the US, a couple in Canada and British Columbia. And that's again, plyometrics, um, heavy uh, bar training, bar, B-A-R-R-E. Uh, and so again, a range of different fitness and a, essentially self-esteem brands. That's, that's kind of how we're built. So it seems out there today, there's a couple of these portfolio companies that are growing health and wellness type brands under one roof, right? Whether it's Club Pilates and and their whole um, and and their their mothership and there's a few of these and this has been done in the restaurant industry for a long time. It feels pretty new in the fitness, health, and wellness. What's the story behind what's going on in your industry and kind of this aggregation of brands? Yeah, well, and you're right. So Exponential is another one that does a lot of different brands and the fitness umbrella. Um, I would tell you in the industry, uh, there's certainly consolidation in terms of, of companies like self-esteem uh, acquiring and continuing to look at acquisitions. But it is what it gives us is a lot of different uh, uh, chess pieces, right? When we're looking at a market, we have different targeted brands for different targeted audience, several of which can be synergistic with each other. So it gives us just more leverage in growing our market share because we, we in-house have multiple. We have franchisees that are uh, a franchisee or multiple owners of one of the brands, and they might want to expand within the family to another brand, right? To supplement and diversify their, their, uh, their investments. So it, honestly, I'm used to this because my prior life before self-esteem, I oversaw real estate at Regis Corporation, which owns a range of hair salon brands. So this is a little different, but it's, all, it's not all that different. So one example I would tell you is Basecamp and, and the bar method, we're actually testing out putting them next to each other right now. We think there's a lot of synergies there and they can play off each other and both can be successful feeding off of the type of clients that would go to both, but for different reasons and different days of the week, right? So it gives uh, a variety to the same type of, of uh, a clientele 
that has that disposable income for, for more of an upscale niche, uh, fitness niche. Interesting. And so tell us a little bit more about you. You've been in the industry 17 years. How long you've been at um, self-esteem brands? So uh, 17 years, which sounds like a long time and I don't feel like I'm that old, but I'm getting there. So I've been at self-esteem uh, a little over a year. So I started there last September pre COVID uh, right when things were a lot more normal. Uh, but uh, I started in the industry, Chris, in one of the sexiest uh, parts of the industry in property management, asset <laughs> management, um, which again, it's funny because at the time I was thrilled to have a job This is 2003. Uh, but I learned so much in that role. And then I grew into more leasing and, uh, and, and looking at stuff with some of the developers we worked for uh, at the time, this is in the, the twin cities of Western Wisconsin. And back in 03, 04, 05, things were great. And then the sky fell down in 08, 09. Uh, and so I learned a ton on the landlord side of the business during that time. Went over to uh, Regis in 2010 as a deal maker and, and oversaw a range of states uh, there for six years, 25 different states in total uh, in some capacity. And then oversaw the team there for, for about three years before coming to self-esteem. So uh, again, it's funny how time flies, but I love the industry. I love the people in the industry. And as you and I both know, it's a small industry, right? So we see the same people over and over again. People could move around and certainly do. But at the end of the day, you, your, your reputation is what's critical. And uh, I, I've been blessed to be able to continue to build that and work with some of the same uh, people that I, that I grew up admiring and continue to admire and work with uh, as I continue to grow in the career. So it's just, yeah, it's been a long time, I guess, even though it seems like a blink of an eye. So going a little more granular, that is a great overview. I really appreciate it. Going a little more granular. Yeah. And one of the things I know, so at Regis and you oversaw their real estate and your team was primarily who landlords and brokers were making deals with. And a lot of the landlords you were making deals with and my team and making deals with your team. At mm -hmm. Self-esteem brands, are the franchisees making the real estate deals or is, is your team? So I would tell you uh, it's both. But part of it, Chris, is that uh, when I got to self-esteem, one of the things that they wanted was for an evolution of the real estate department to happen because truly there wasn't a VP of real estate before me at self-esteem. Uh, they had in-house brokerage, essentially. That was the in-house brokers and they were doing deals with uh, franchisees all over the country. So uh, what I've done is, is basically installed the same type of scenario that most real, uh, retailers have like Regis. So my team are real estate managers, right? Uh, and we have territory and then we have local brokers we've onboarded in all the markets, which we did not have before. And so we're, we're heavily educating and working with the existing owners. And obviously as we onboard new owners that we're really the main focal point and people that we should be talking, uh, sorry, you should be talking to to help uh, secure and negotiate and really whittle down options for sites. So some of it is uh, where we've been and just trying to, to, to uh, make sure everyone's aware of the resources that we have that we frankly just didn't have before. That's interesting. That's great. So you've been really, yeah. for the last year, you've been team building and strategizing is what it sounds like is, is your role as a VP of real estate. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you make it sound very cool. So yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> but that is, it is accurate. So yeah, it's, it's been fun. Like I said, the, the people on my team are phenomenal. And, and like I said, they were doing deals for the most part uh, everywhere, essentially as brokers. And so shifting them into the role overseeing brokers has been good. But the best part is they understand the industry, right? They get it. At the core, they're deal makers. 
We have some of the best brokers in the industry representing us, a lot of which I've built relationships with in my past across the country. So uh, it's been a really good setup. So we're excited uh, to continue to grow even in 2020. And, and I'm very excited for 2021 and beyond. That's great to hear. I'm glad you're excited. You're making me excited that you're excited. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Are, are they, are your, is your team brand focused or territory focused? Because I know some groups say, all right, they might come in, their approach might be, all right, you're the base camp real estate person and you're the anytime fitness person and you're the bar method person. How are you guys set up and structured? Yeah, no, great question. And, and again, this goes back to my past and this is how I, I like it in general, uh, knowing everything that I know. We're not brand specific. We're brand agnostic. It's all about the territory. So we're based by geography. We split up the country by state primarily, and we, cut, we split up uh, Canada by province. So uh, I like that because, again, you're really looking for the same type of things over and over again. You're getting to learn the markets. You're getting to learn the intricacies of the relationships of the local and regional landlords, the local brokers. Uh, and really, you understand what's worked and what hasn't worked for each brand by really better understanding the market. I'm not a big fan of, of scattershotting and having a different real estate person looking in the same market for a different brand. Uh, if it's under your umbrella, you just have to better understand how that brand operates, who the biggest competition is, and frankly, where your target audience is and your best co-tenants are. So it's not rocket science. It is, it is very uh, certainly a challenge, and that's what keeps me excited about. I love the analytical side of this industry. But once you understand some of those basics, there's no problem uh, growing multiple brands uh, in the same market. You use a word that's interesting, market. Let's pivot a little bit. That was some helpful context, I think, for the listeners. Yeah. What's going on in the market today? You're in the fitness industry, which is, and 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 the healthcare or health and wellness with the personal care industry with the waxing. What's going on in all these places? What's going on in the market as you see it? Because your yeah. your market is everywhere in the country, Canada and the globe. So, how are what what's your view on what's going on out there. And obviously you're a little optimistic. You have a hundred leases you signed this year and you're going to be signing more next year. What's going on? Well, first of all, let me address the lease piece. So, cause I want to say this ties into the question. All right, I'll get into a deeper dive, but uh, at the core, if you're optimistic about where we'll be in, in, you know, six months, eight months, uh, I'm telling all of our franchise partners now is the time to be looking at sites and negotiating new deals, right? It's a tenant market. You're not going to get a fire sale in an A-plus location, but there might be some A-plus locations that weren't available a few months ago, right? That weren't even be on the table. Uh, now, by the time we negotiate a letter of intent, by the time we negotiate and sign a lease, by the time we uh, take over possession of the space and permit and build out and get ready to open, we're looking at eight to 12 months. So my point is now is a great time to strike to secure sites for your brands if you're bullish on where we'll be, you know, next summer, next fall, which I am, my team is, and a lot of our franchisees are, right? This is, this is where the strong brands really thrive and come out of it stronger. Now, having said that, it has been a very challenging year for health and wellness. And frankly, I think for service, right? Service users, whether you're hair, fitness, waxing, um, uh, nails, anything where there's uh, uh, personal touch, uh, people in person, it's been very challenging. We've had shutdowns. We've had restrictions in terms of capacity. And so uh, I would tell you, we have struggled through 
getting through a lot of that. Um, some landlords, uh, to be unnamed, have been very helpful, and some landlords have been very detrimental, which I think is, is short-sighted. Because if I'm a landlord, I'm looking at my portfolio and realizing that this pandemic doesn't affect every retailer the same, right? We've seen some retailers, frankly, not only survive, but thrive during this time. And what, I, what I've been excited about is obviously grocers and their resurgence, which I was concerned about grocery a couple of years ago, about maybe being too many grocers. Uh, but you, you look at other uses like uh, fast casual, who've been able to survive through it, and coffee, uh, banks, uh, that type of stuff have been okay, if not doing better. So when you're looking at your portfolio from a landlord standpoint, you have to admit some are able to pay rent without much issue, and some, like fitness and personal service, if we're restricted, uh, you know, cannot pay the same rent because we're not able to generate income. There was times, you know, in this year where we were shut down completely in certain states for a, for a lengthy time, two, three months or longer. Like we're still shuttered in, in most of California. We need help, right? And 99% and, uh, of our locations are franchised. And so uh, even though we have great owners and great brands, that's difficult when you have 0% revenue coming in and landlords are expecting 100% rent to be paid. Now, I know there's, there's some gray area in there, but that's been a challenge. And again, a lot of landlords have worked with us on rent abatement, deferment. I know they've worked with their lenders to get the same uh, because lenders also realize there's going to be retailers that need help. Uh, not all retailers need help, but some do. So that's, that's what I'm seeing. As I, as I kind of ping pong around, I am bullish on the future. I'm bullish on the resurgence of grocery, as I mentioned, the neighborhood center. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of upside in the long term. Anytime Fitness, which is our biggest brand, has some advantages to some of the bigger box gyms because anytime fitness is 5,000 square feet, right? That's give or take our target size. Um, even pre-COVID, we don't have to slam people in for it to work. The idea is that you can come anytime, no pun intended. We have great equipment. We have personal training. We have classes, all that, but it never is just jam packed. Like maybe some of our competitors need to be like Planet and LA Fitness and Golds and, and 24 hours. So that's the advantage we have. And so we're, we're bullish on being able to, to, to take advantage of that as we get out of COVID and some market share we think we'll be able to pick up as some of our bigger competitors, bigger boxes have closed and some have filed bankruptcy and, and, and let go of some leases that they didn't want. So there's upside, uh, but it has been a, definitely a challenging year right now. We're just trying to look towards the future and, uh, and really focus on what we can do now to support our franchisees and also uh, engage our customer base with digital offerings. All four of our brands have apps on the App Store and, and, and Android. And Anytime Fitness, Basecamp, and Bar Method all have online workouts via the app, which have been in process pre-COVID, but really ramped up and additional resources put in as COVID really hit and took form. So adapting, doing our best to support, and then looking forward to future growth has really been the year in, in, in a nutshell. Those are three good pillars, adapt, support, and growth. I like it. I'm going to ask you a tough one now because uh -oh. you, you threw out some interesting market intel and I can give you my take and what we did. And uh, did you, you, you mentioned landlords, did you suspend defer or abate franchise fees? We did. So yeah, that's a good question. We significantly abated franchise fees. So that was one of the things that I mentioned to landlords. I talked to Chris, uh, you know, some landlords would say, look, you have a lease, you got to pay the rent. Leases don't contemplate something like we're going through. They just don't. 
even a force majeure clause, uh, 99.9% of them don't uh, contemplate this. So one of the points I would make, among other things that I've already made, is that we have a contract too with our franchisees. We don't have to give relief, but we are. Because the short-term pain is necessary for long-term partnership. And that's really been our pitch to landlords. Not our fault COVID happened, right? Not landlords' fault either. But the best thing we can do is somehow share in the burden. Not landlords get 100% whole while we take the brunt of, of, of all the losses. So the way I characterized it with a lot of our tenants and our strategy for us was we need to look at the totality of the circumstances. And so you guys were in growth mode. You had a lot of new locations. I think, you know, I had a conversation with a retailer where I said, in 2016, I made a $10 deal and I spent $60. I've been in the red for five years. So for, so I've been in the red, you might be closed and have no revenue for 365, no profits for 300 for 90 days. I've been for 1500 days in the red. And so the, I think there's, so I'm empathetic and cognizant of what's going on in the world, but we wanted to look at the totality of the circumstances and, you know, by and large, we were able to work and partner with majority of our retailers and tenants to look at the totality of circumstances to do something that was beneficial for both parties. And that's kind of how we approached it. Mammoth effort, thousands of tenants, and they were all done on a bespoke basis because of what you said. So that's kind of how we did it from a real estate perspective. What do you, what do you see? Obviously you see some, some growth because you guys are signing leases and doing deals. What's drive outside of just availability of real estate from a, I guess, a personal care, health and wellness. How are you guys viewing the world and just, you know, you mentioned market share and the ability to actually grow revenue. How are you guys looking at that? So, you know, we have some amazing existing owners and I think those that understand that this is not a forever situation are seeing the benefit of investing now towards the future. You know, if you think back, Chris, like I mentioned briefly, 2008, 2009, sky was falling down, right? It was crazy. Now for different reasons, very different reasons, but this, this time does remind me of that a bit because it was a very challenging market, but there were certain retailers that, that didn't keep, take their eye off the ball and continue to grow and invest in future locations that, you know, can pay dividends for the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. In some cases, if you're in the right site and you secure a site that keeps your competition out of the market, et cetera. So uh, we are seeing uh, the right existing owners see the future as opportunity. And frankly, prospective new owners that are signing up with us, uh, seeing the future. As I mentioned earlier, right, you're, you're signing up t- tomorrow, right? Say you signed up tomorrow with us to do a base camp or a, a bar method. You're not going to be open until next summer at the earliest, at the very earliest, probably more like next fall. So the timing of it is key. So you're aware that you're not going to really be having to hit COVID head on. If you're bullish on where you think you will be, uh, you're more optimistic about, about the future. We still believe, and I'll tell you this, this is my philosophy in general. So uh, the future of retail remains in service and food, right? So service got hit really hard. Food did too. I'm not discounting that. 
but certain food at least has some ways to, to get some revenue. But service and food continue to be a huge piece of the future. Gyms are great, right? Even the, the small shop, like anytime in base camp and, and uh, bar method, they're bringing people to the centers. People want to go work out in these classes, want to go work out. It's a, it's a reason to go to brick and mortar. So I'm seeing a lot of landlords too, even though it's been a tough year, realizing that as we come out of this, there's certain brands and uses that just aren't going to survive. But, but food and service, of which you know, gyms and, and, and personal care are certainly a big piece, those continue to be something that, that is the future of retail. Right. We might not be as big in terms of square footage right now. Our sizes are, are relatively small uh, square footage, but uh, we're going to continue to be a major draw to any retail center that we're in. And what better way to get other other retailers excited uh, than knowing you have a gym that's going to bring people there every day? You know, uh, it's, it's a it's a really good uh, anchor like type draw. We're not as big as a grocer, obviously, or something like that, but a really good synergistic small shop tenant. And. Uh, I appreciate that. And then I think the, the last thing on this piece, the, you mentioned competition and you, you've mentioned it a couple times in, in our talk so far. So clearly you guys are focused on competition. Um, where do you sit in the rising tide raises all boats, right? McDonald's goes here. So Burger King wants to go across the street versus you don't want exponential or orange theory in and around the market? Where do you guys kind of play in that sandbox? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I, I do agree to some degree that a rising tide lifts all boats. I think the question is uh, the trade area, right? How dense and how big is the trade area? In areas where there's a ton of people, a ton, and a lot of uh, uh, support for market share, uh, does, we do not have to be on our own, right? We can absolutely go head to head with direct competition in the same trade area. And frankly, it's not a zero-sum game. We can both be successful, right? That's, not, that, that's something I learned long ago. You don't have to be one winner, one loser, or you know, vice versa. Uh, so I, I definitely think it all depends on the trade area. If it's, a, if it's a smaller market, a more rural market, especially for anytime fitness, very tough for us to go head-to-head in a rural market versus a planet fitness, as an example, which is one of our biggest competitors in that space. But when you get into the denser markets, uh, we anticipate base camp and bar method and waxing to have competition in and around the same trade area. Because my opinion is if it's a really good trade area and really dense area, uh, you know, I'm talking uh, first ring, second ring, uh, uh, suburbs, uh, urban, dense, uh, suburban areas, uh, they're going to be there eventually if they're not there already. Right. So you got to have a better offering and you got to be able to compete head to head. And the, well, the boutique stuff, uh, the base camp, the bar method, do you, do you mind if there's box fitness in the market, LA Fitness, Planet, is that okay? Or is it all fitness dollars? Yeah, no, I would argue that is a, a different uh, niche, right? So one of the things we like, and frankly, why we have several anytime fitness owners growing base camp fitness, for example, nearby their gyms are, it's a very different price point. It's a very different setup. So. I wouldn't say it's all the same fitness dollars. Anytime fitness is a value priced, reasonably low monthly membership where you can kind of do everything and anything. You can obviously do personal training and classes as well, but you have treadmills and weights and ellipticals and bikes and all that. Basecamp is very much, it's a class. You're setting up, you're in, you're, 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 you're there for that class and you're out, right? So you're not hanging out, working out, doing different things. You certainly are in your class, but it's very pointed. It's intense. It's cardio with some weights, 
and it's in and out in 35 minutes. So we actually view them more as synergistic than com uh, competitive in that, in that scope. So no, we would not have a major issue with having a bigger box value gym nearby a base camp or a bar method, because it frankly is, is a different uh, target price point. Not saying that people wouldn't do both. That's in fact what we're, we're counting on, that people would belong to a base gym, but also join one or more niche brands. And that's why I think you're seeing the niche brands continue to flourish, uh, even though there's, there's uh, a lot of them, right? There's a lot of a range of different type of niche fitness groups because uh, they are, people enjoy doing the group workouts, right? Peloton can only be big for so long. I love Peloton. I don't have one, but I think it's great. But it reminds me of Nordic Track 15 years ago, right? It was awesome for a while. Everyone loved it. And then people got tired of it and wanted to go back to the gym and be with people and get pushed. You cannot replicate the kind of intensity at home than you can when you go to a class at Bar Method or Base Camp. All right. You need to work out with me at home then. <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. Good point. Maybe, uh, maybe just me personally, Chris. I can't push myself hard enough alone. <laughs> no, but I like the there's riches and niches. Um, yeah. Now, right now, so I have a pretty solid gym in my garage. And since March, I have, I have a concept two rower. I've been rowing almost every day. And yeah. the last two weeks, um, I've slowed down because I'm making this big push. And I had been doing a lot of free weights up until March. And I changed, you know, in some CrossFit style intensive high interval training workouts. And I switched to Mark. I'm going to get down on row March, going to get my rowing up and get my cardio. And I've been trying. My goal has been I'm trying to get my 2K row under seven minutes, which is nice. pretty, pretty tough for a short guy. Um, but I've been pushing it and I'm making this last push till the end of the year. I will be disappointed if I don't get there. Um, and you have some good days and bad days, but uh, I'm close. I hit about a month ago, I hit 7 11, which was pretty good. Nice. For me. I'm close, but when I started in March, it was like an 832k, it was terrible. So I've come down a ton. But at 7-Eleven, <laughs> yeah. like, and, it, and if you see, like, any, like, expert rowers, like, if at 1,000 meters you don't want to quit and you are, are not dying, you're not going hard enough. <laughs> and so it's a mental, just brutal mental. And on the long stuff, I, it took me a while, but I finally got a, a 5K row under 20 minutes, which isn't that great, but it was good for me. On the 2K... I'd feel pretty sure. good if I got under seven minutes. So anyway, that's my fitness story. So I'm working on it. That's awesome. We'll see. Um, I'm going to be testing myself sometime shortly after Thanksgiving and we'll see how I do. Well, look, I think that's awesome, Chris. And I would argue even internally, we're all just recommending fitness in general, right? Even if you can't go to the gym and you, you want to do virtual, great, but get outside, bike, run, do something. Our big thing right now, our hashtag is fight it with fitness. The best defense for COVID or any type of pandemic like that beyond social distancing and masking, obviously it's just taking care of yourself yeah. and, and being healthy. And we believe that this has really shined a light on our country's uh, need for, for taking care of yourself, right? What a good investment to make in your own, on your own well-being than to, to invest in working out at a gym or gyms uh, to continue to, to be able to fight it with fitness, right? Fight these type of pandemics. Cause that's, that's certainly, uh, what we're all learning through this is your fitness is, is a critical piece of, of your day to day. I'll have to check out that hashtag fight it with fitness. Yeah. All right. 
next piece of our show is the story. So what location, what brand, where are we going? Take me there. Yeah, so I wish I had some really crazy, funny story, but this one's actually been awesome for me personally, uh, and it's very relevant to what we're doing at Self-Esteem. So uh, a base camp fitness, and by the way, as I mentioned, I'm wearing the updated so logo hat quick, right now. Ta- which I've, town and state. Yeah. What town and state are we going to? So we're going to my hometown of where I grew up and where I, by the way, live today, Chris, and the background here, if you can't tell, I'm in uh, Minnesota with my wood, looks like a, a shed or a cabin. But we're in Edina, Minnesota, which is a first-ring suburb of Minneapolis. Uh, we built a base camp fitness corporate location there uh, that opened right before the pandemic, February. So the story more so is about how it continue has uh, sorry it has continued to be exciting and drawing new people even through what has been the most chaotic way to open a location. I myself have been going all throughout the summer when we haven't been able to, and, and it's really uh, uh, served me well mentally and physically. I feel a lot better, a lot stronger. My wife and I were both uh, Edina residents, hosted a, a charity event at the, at the soft opening, and we invited two groups of, of 40 people to do the class, which was awesome. And if I have video I could share and pictures of it, which seemed like a different time, right? Different world, because we were all uh, kind of using the same equipment, crisscrossing all that. But it's been really fun to realize that there's still a lot of passion uh, for fitness and I'm and seeing new people there. Every time I go to work out, we have had great membership success there, even with limited capacity in, in Minnesota under uh, government guidelines. Uh, but it's been fun to see how intense people are and, and I've lived it, right? So not only am I, am I uh, uh, work for the company and it's my day job, but as a person that has gotten really into that workout and, and that, that uh, high intensity interval training, I have found that to be such an awesome location to go to as a resident and as someone that's excited about fitness, uh, not only surviving, but thriving after COVID because you see the passion we have in the coaching there, the passion we have from everyone that comes and joins and hits some new milestones. Like you were talking about earlier, Chris, Basecamp has a lot of gamification. How many miles can you get on the assault bike in, in one class? There's a, 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 a Apple watch app uh, on the, on the watch. The assault bike is painful. It is painful. It's brutal, but it's a love hate. And so it's, it's, it's a very cool way to challenge yourself. And that's, that's, I've been challenging myself to get more points and get more miles. Um, so the short of it is very cool. Cause it's one of our newest brands. We only have eight locations today. We have several under construction, but eight today. And uh, I have been fortunate enough to have one down the street from my home, which I've been going to a lot because I've been working from home. So it again, ties back to the, uh, the resurgence of the suburbs too. Cause awesome. I've been able to go. So base camp fitness in Edina, Minnesota, which has been a really fun, uh, example of one of our new brands. And also I've been able to live it. I love it. So I, I got a bunch of questions about base camp in Edina, Minnesota. So question one, do you ever do intervals and sprints on the assault bike? You do. So the way the base camp workout works, Chris, is it's uh, 35 minutes and every class you're on the bike for a minute and then you're on the floor for a minute. But every class varies on what you're going to do on the floor and specifically what you're going to do on the bike. By that, I mean the floor might be leg day where you're doing weighted lunges, squats, might be upper body day where you're doing, you know, weighted, uh, I'm doing it with my arms, you know, uh, curls and, and, and different things. So a lot of different types of classes, but the one thing that remains the constant is the bike. And uh, throughout the class, depending on the day, the instructors will 
uh, challenge you to do sprints, to do arms only for a while, right? Put your feet up. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely intense. But again, the advantage of a base camp to maybe some of the direct competitors is it's low impact, right? You're not on a treadmill. You're not, you know, pounding your lower back or your knees or joints. It's, it's a uh, low impact. So even though it's, 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 uh, it's a hellish low impact, it is low impact. Yeah. If you, for those who don't know, so in my college wrestling days, we used to get on the Airdyne all the time, which is very similar to the assault bike, different brand. Mm -hmm. um, and those things, and I've been on the assault bike. So I'm on the waiting list for one for my home, actually an assault bike right now. Um, but if you want to get your heart rate up and that burning sensation in your lungs and your legs to be fried, push the limit on the assault bike. That is a intense, intense uh, piece of equipment that is amazing for cardio and is low impact. So there's a lot of good yeah. assault bike intervals and uh, a lot of good workouts on the assault bike that really can really, really are amazing workouts. So, uh, but intense, the assault bike's no joke. Mm -hmm. uh, Agreed. And I just learned something new. So base camp has eight locations now. Yes. Okay. What is the growth potential for base camp? How many of you guys think it could be in the country? Do you know yet? That's a great question. A lot. Um, I'm going to say as of right now, obviously we continue to evaluate and see how big the brand can grow, can grow but I definitely think, uh, you know, we look at Orange Theory as someone that's, that's done it to a great extent and where we're, where we're trying to get to in terms of size and exceed. So, you know, definitely well over 1500, 2000 locations. Um, obviously it's, it's gotta be in the right areas and they're gonna be, you know, uh, areas that have higher income and higher density so they can support the higher price point. Uh, but we see a ton of opportunity. The eight, by the way, today, two are in California, or sorry, two in Los Angeles, two in San Francisco, two in the twin cities and two in Madison, Wisconsin, which are, our first two franchise locations that are, uh, by the way, owned by an anytime fitness owner in Madison as well. So we have uh, one under construction in Houston. We have one under construction in Columbia, South Carolina. We have one under construction in, in greater Chicagoland area, and we have interest in a lot of other markets. So uh, we truly see a lot of, a lot of growth potential for that brand, even though it's small. Uh, once you get in and do the workout, it is somewhat addicting. How, how many square feet? 3,500 square feet is a target. So we'll still tweak that a bit as we go, but that's, that's the ideal size, 3,500. You bought this company or you started Basecamp internally? Yeah, so Self-Esteem Brands purchased Basecamp uh, as an existing brand, California-based originally in 2018. And so we just now tied to certainly our evolution of our real estate team, but also uh, we just launched the FDD franchise disclosure uh, document this year in April. So again, right at peak COVID time uh, or earlier peak COVID time, we launched the, the, the brand of the franchise. So uh, six of the eight are corporate today, but that's going to shift dramatically in the coming months and years. You opened this location when? Which one? The Dyna? The Dyna. You got to open in February of this year, February. So when I was talking about doing the charity stuff, it was great. We're all happy. And then, then March happened. So it's been, it's gone through, you know, some tough times, but that's, 
that's what's awesome. The resilience of it and not just the customers, but the staff has been really cool to see firsthand. So when you came on board, where was the plan to open a couple of corporate locations of, of base camp? And was this one already identified or was this one that you identified? So this is one, which is, it's interesting, Chris. So uh, my team did identify it, right? So I came on and it was already kind of down the line in terms of uh, lease getting done. And our CEO, Chuck Runyon asked, you know, Hey, like you're an Edina guy and you're a real estate guy, our real estate guy. What do you think of the site? He's like, you know, I think it, it, it can work. What do you think? I think it's great. I did. I said, look, I don't have skin in the game other than this is the company I represent and work with, but I think it's great. So uh, it's been fun to see that location open and reasonably flourish during a very, very challenging year. Totally. You, so you, when you say you grew up that like you went to a high school in Edina? Uh, I did. I mean, I grew up in Edina. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, people that know the Twin Cities well know Edina and uh, I am uh, largely born and raised here. So it's uh, uh, a place that I, I certainly enjoy. I have two girls and I love the school system here and, and the area. But yeah, I grew up here other than college. Um, I, I've, I've been in the Twin Cities my whole life. When you got there, how far along was it? It was like in lease. It was an LOI. What was it? Yeah, it was at least largely close to being executed. So obviously if I didn't like the site, we probably could have hit the emergency break and, and moved on. But um, I think it's the right location and I think it, it will work well and serve well for the future. And especially once we come out of this, um, I'm excited to, to, to continue to see it flourish because I, I know a lot of people in data and I talk to people just as consumers like myself that I think would love it. I've got my family in there, my parents, my dad, who's 66 years old, but loves working out. He's done it several times. He loves it. Uh, so it's, uh, it's fun to see family and friends that I grew up with trying out a concept that, uh, like I said earlier, is part of my day job, but also something I, I like as a consumer. And, and by the way, Chris, we're putting a bar method right next to it right now. As you and I speak, we're under construction with a bar method directly adjacent to that Edina base camp. Are you going to do the bar method? I will. You know, it's funny because... Uh, we've done that class a few times, myself and my team, we did the class. It's very hard. Yeah, it I, is. I really enjoy it. It is very hard. So I wanted to understand it. So I talked to guys like you and other landlords so I can speak about it intelligently. And I would tell you, it is just as hard, if not harder than anything else we have. It's just different. I went into the first workout thinking, okay, this will be calming, uh, but reasonably mild. And I won't be that, you know, when we that intense, I was sweating, complete sweat dripping from my face, my shirt drenched, you know, 10 minutes in because we were doing different plyometrics and leg up with the bar and inch up, inch up, inch up, inch up for a minute. I mean, that kind of stuff is just really hard. So I can see why people get hooked on that brand also. 99% of female, uh, uh, that clientele. But I've told the, the bar method group that, uh, uh, and they agree, there's definitely a place for more and more males to do that class. I think it was really good for me because it's the type of workout that I wouldn't typically do. Sure. Same. It, but it is a good workout. And yeah, it is a very good workout. Talk to me about the type of location this is. This is a shopping center, freestanding building. What is this? Sure. So this location for both Basecamp and Bar Method and Edina, it is more of a street front type location, Chris. So it's in a suburb, but it's a very dense part of the suburb. It's right up against South Minneapolis. 
so we actually had storefront parking ramp attached. Uh, a lot of other great retailers nearby. Uh, at one point, the number one Athleta in the country is right nearby. Um, and so there's some good upscale offerings there. And I would tell you having the parking attached has been really helpful. Because you think about Minnesota winters, and we opened in February, being able to park easily and walk in uh, is, is pretty amazing when it's minus 10 degrees outside. So it, it is, uh, it's not grocery anchored or, or really otherwise anchored. There's residential above and attached and across. Um, and there's a lot of other retail scattered throughout the intersection in the trade area. Got it. So it's like a downtown Edina and there's a parking. Do you have like in certain spots in Minnesota, can you go underground to get there? Can you walk <laughs> underground? So you're talking about the Skyway system. So yeah, uh, that's not underground, but downtown Minneapolis has a, it is amazing. Skyways over all the yeah. roads. You can go anywhere downtown and not step foot outside yeah. in the winter, which seems crazy. But if you've been in Minneapolis in January, you'd understand why we haven't. Yeah. And so the ba- the the bar the bar class is going to be another street front location down here. Will they have the same parking access? It will. So literally, Chris, we leased the space we have. We took more space than we needed to make sure we had potential to expand. And so it's really it's part of the same lease we already have in place. We're putting the bar method next to it. We're going to probably add a joint entry, maybe a shared uh, um, cash wrap at the entry. We're still deciding what to, how to lay it out, but we want to not only cross promote, but, but uh, potentially have passes that work uh, at both concepts, right? That's, that's an operations decision that, that they're kicking around. But uh, um, yeah, it's going to be literally adjacent, sharing the same wall. Corporate location, this one? Both corporate. So again, we have two corporate base camps here. This will be our first corporate bar method in the Twin Cities. And so I think they will both serve as showcases for us to test and learn what works best for the brand. And also when we get back to normal life uh, of in-person discovery days and people flying to the twin cities for our discovery days, when they're looking at potentially signing on as a franchisee, it would take them to visit the location, right? Locations, because they can see a bar method base camp on their own and also in conjunction with each other. Are, as you grow outside, only eight locations, how are you deciding where base camp goes next? What drives the bus? Because the country yeah, so, is your, right. you have the whole country available, right? And there's mar- there's a lot of demographics that could work for this. How do you decide what's next? Yeah, so, you know, right now we're working more and more with our marketing group internally to help target market to markets we believe have a lot of, of room for the brand to expand, right? In an ideal world, we get franchise owners to sign up in those markets so we can really get some economies of scale and a, and a good basis of, locations to get the brand better known. Uh, but, uh, but otherwise it's really just when and where we're getting franchisees of interest. And that includes the new owners, but also, as I mentioned earlier, we have some of the best franchisees in our anytime fitness setup, And a lot of them have interest in adding a base camp uh, or waxing or bar method to their portfolio. So that's another really good avenue for us to uh, expand and, and get interest and growth. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you. This was great. Uh, when I get to Minneapolis, I'm definitely going to check out a Dinah and go see the base camp and bar method. Really cool. I've been to many, anytime fitness, uh, for a short time. I, I, I was a member. Um, there's one by my office. So I was, uh, I'm not sure. today, but, uh, I, uh, I think it's a great brand and 
I haven't been in one of the wax wax locations, but I'm going to have to go check them out. Um, you guys are growing them still. Absolutely. Waxing is, is, I see a ton of upside, uh, in, in, in perspective, one of the biggest competitors for wax in the city has about 800 locations, right? We have 125. So a lot of room to grow, a lot of market share to still grab. So we're excited about that. And that really actually started, started the year in a really good clip. We added a lot of new franchisees for Wax in the City earlier in the year. Uh, it, it's, it's slowed down a bit, but we still see a lot of upside. And markets that we have, a lot of existing locations too, like Denver and Dallas, Fort Worth. So yeah, absolutely. That brand will continue to grow. Uh, personal services are certainly not going away. When we were able to reopen, we saw a huge influx of people wanting to get waxing services done. So that was a great sign. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Last part of our show, retail wisdom. You ready? I am. I think I'm ready. Yeah. All right. What is your best piece of commercial real estate advice? I would say be patient and persistent and, uh, and make sure you're learning from those around you. Right. It's uh, as you know, a lot of different avenues for all of us to come up in the industry. And it's not easy right out of the gate. It's a tough industry. It's not, uh, not easy to get into. And once you get in, you have to, you have to spend some time to really understand what's going on and how to do it and, and, and earn some trust and respect from your colleagues. So uh, be patient, persistence, and, and be willing to learn from people that you respect. Love it. Question two, what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Okay, so this is one, I don't know if I love, if I would love to visit it now, but I have a, a place in my heart for it because I used to work there, as in I was a cashier, uh, and that's Blockbuster Video. So Blockbuster, as, as, as you know, used to be one of the coolest places in the world, and I, I worked there for two summers in college, and uh, I loved it. It was, a, it was the easiest but yet hardest job I've ever had. Very busy, fun. People would always ask me, Chris, Oh, did you see this movie? What do you think of this? And I, I didn't have time to see all these movies. So I just started, I learned saying, no, I haven't. Wasn't a good enough answer. So I started just making up answers. Oh yeah. Great movie. You'll love it. I mean, that was the best thing. And one of the fun stories I had that ties back to Minnesota is uh, Kirby Puckett, uh, who has, has passed away, but he lives uh, in Edina. He used to come to the blockbuster that I worked at. So I always see him and his family. I thought it was, I was starstruck. And I would always do a quick search of his rental history to see what it was like. And it, uh, obviously there's, there's no scandal there, but anyway, he was very, very, very nice in person. Always nice. What was Kirby Puckett's favorite movie? I, he was always renting mostly family movies, but I, I'll be honest. I was always so nervous when he'd come up to the, to the counter that I, uh, I don't really remember. I just wanted to make sure he didn't think I was uh, bad or I was weird. And uh, I did a good job. So I wanted to make sure he was happy with the blockbuster experience. Last question. You're a Minnesota fan. I'm on NFL.com. I'm looking at a Dalvin Cook jersey right now at the NFL shop. What is that retail for? Dalvin Cook, number 33, Nike purple game jersey. Uh, game jersey. So not a replica? I was trying to figure that out. It says it's a game player jersey. So the replica, I know because I have one. I have one of Cook, $100. That's exactly what it is. $99.99 yeah. actually, so you got it. So it must well, be the replica. Yeah, I have one. I have a white Cook jersey. I have a purple Thielen jersey. I have a Color Rush uh, Cousins jersey. So yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty diehard Vikings fan. 
What are you going to do if they get traded? Like, were you, did you, do you have a Diggs jersey? I did. So that's actually an interesting story. Remember the Minneapolis Miracle? That yeah. game? I was there. I was there. Wow. That's what I bought on the way out of that game. <laughs> on the way out. I was high-fiving everyone, cheering. I walked by the, the uh, merchandise. I go, do you have a Diggs jersey large? Yep. Got it. Done. Threw it on. <laughs> What about high-fiving everyone? So, yeah, I still have it, but I won't be wearing it. I'm sad he, he left. He's having a great year over on the Bills. He is. He is. And we love him in Minnesota. So, again, even though he's gone, uh, he's forever in our hearts. He's, he was a great player. So, we, we're all fans of him here and, and wish him the best in Buffalo. At least he didn't go to Green Bay. Yes. Awesome. All right, man. Yeah. Well, listen, this was great. Thanks so much. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate you doing this. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.